I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Scott Eklund, Chris Fetters over in Hawaii for the Polynesian Bowl. A lot of good content coming out of that. He had a chance to talk to Steve Spurrier and a lot of the Washington guys who were over there. Rome Udunzi is there. Uh, Roger Rosengarten is there. Jack Yeri is there, who is we'll talk about in a little bit, who's a uh, strong target to sign in the late signing period for recruiting. Trying to remember who else is there, Scott. Uh, well, there's also uh, Sam Adams, but he is not playing in the game as he rehabs an injury. And uh, Mark Redmond is there. Um, and there's one walk-on um, that's going to be playing in the game. Mekki Pye or Mekki Pay, I don't know how to say his last name. But uh, Washington has offered him as a preferred walk-on. And he's one of the best players in Hawaii. He's not very big. So that's one of the reasons why he doesn't have a lot of offers. But he's a guy that Washington is targeted as a guy they want to bring in as a DB. So um, that's kind of who who is there. Miles um, uh, Morale is also there. Um, trying to think off the top of my head who else is there, and that's all I can think of. So there Mickey, you go, Mickey Pay, uh, Mickey Pay, I Pay. We're not yeah, sure how to pronounce it. His last name, yeah. Sounds like he uh, played with Washington back in the day and ha- may have had some crossover with um, defensive line coach Akaka Malloy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that is definitely something that um, that uh, you know has drawn Washington to him a little bit. I think we'll talk about the national championship game. We'll talk about the new coaches. We'll talk about recruiting. What's coming up? Washington State hired a new coach, but uh, national championship game last night. Scott, uh, boy, LSU just looked unstoppable. Yeah, they did. I mean, it, it was funny because, I mean, Clemson got out to that early start and and looked unstoppable themselves. And then LSU, I think they just had a lot of nerves. Joe Burrow didn't seem like the regular Joe Burrow. They were starting in terrible field position to start the game. And uh, Clemson was able to put it on him. But then the athleticism and size and angry uh, angriness, whatever you want to call it, of uh, LSU really, really took over and, and really sealed the deal for showing that they – I mean, it just basically the cream always rises to the top. And, and the LSU throughout the entire season, I would have said Ohio State and LSU, but LSU was the best team in the country this year. Yeah, what was interesting to me is uh, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback at Clemson, he lost one game in high school, which was the state championship game in his final year. He was 25-0 and as a starter at Clemson. And boy, once they started getting down, he kind of had that deer-in-the-headlight look, as talented as he was. He hadn't been in that position before for having to come behind, and it showed, Scott. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's – and, you know, it, I, I remember that um, – the movie Miracle <clears throat> where uh, it's at the end of the game, and Russia should have been pulling their goalie, and and they look over the coach, and he isn't pulling the goalie, and they said, he doesn't know what to do <laughs> because they don't – if you've never really been in that position, you don't know what it's like, and – and, you know, I, Trevor Lawrence is a heck of a quarterback, and I think he's going to be one of the all-time greats to ever go through college football. But uh, he's got one more year, and we'll see how he ends it up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting to watch how he handled that adversity. Yeah, what's interesting is uh, he's only a second-year player, so he's got another year of college left. So he yeah. should be the best player in college football. Um, I sent Jake Heaps and uh, Yogi Roth a text last night, and I don't know if most will get this, but take a look at Joe Burrow and then take a look at Max Brown. Yeah, <laughs> they, look like, they look like brothers. Yeah, except for uh, Max had the curly fro going yeah. while uh, Burrow doesn't have that. But, yeah, I, I mean, they, they 
from a from a physical standpoint, just looking at them physically, they look like they could be brothers. Oh, the facial traits. They look like Take yeah. a look. Take a look when you're offline. Go look at a picture of Max and Joe Burrow together, and they look like brothers. It's pretty funny. But uh, that game is over, and then post game, some interesting stuff coming out today. Some uh, you know, everybody's Ugh. got everybody's got a cell phone these days. You know, we always say, you know, just you know, rule number one: don't be a dumbass. OBJ's handing out cash to players on the sidelines. Yeah, there's some there's some uh, talk out there that they were fake dollar bills. You know, I don't know if that's the case or not, but. You know, oh, yeah. kind of look at them. Maybe it is. Whether it is or isn't, it's a horrible look for college football. The, I mean, that's basically bountying things. So, I, you know, I look, I understand we've kind of crossed the Rubicon, jumped the shark, whatever you want to call it, when it comes to a point of no return with college football and basketball and college athletics in general. And, you know, this paying players for their likeness and all this different stuff. Man, I, I don't know. I don't know how much longer – College football can't exist. Everybody says it'll be around no matter what. It'll just be different. I don't know, guys. I, I just don't know because how many administrations are going to want want kids out there just being handed $100 bills? Maybe oh, the South. Maybe in the South. But I'll tell you what, out here in the West, up in the Northeast, they're not going to stand for that. That is just not going to happen. Well, what a lot of people out there don't understand that are fanatic sports fans, when you take a look at a college university and you take a look at what percentage of the budget – the football program is or athletic, you know, program is to the university. It's a really small percentage of uh, the well, overall picture when you're looking at a university. Well, what is so I, I think Washington's what, what was their budget last year? Like three billion. I can't something like remember. that. I think it was like two or three billion, whatever it was. It was a lot. And what is the the athletic department? Uh, under under a hundred million, I believe. I thought it was a little over it, but whatever it is, if it's right there, let's just say it's a hundred million. Yeah, that that's like less than five percent of yeah. the overall budget. So people need to understand. I, and look, I love college sports, but I also understand the reality. These schools are here to be academic institutions, and I know we're talking about athletes and all this different stuff. It is not going to be taken lightly by the people who are academics. And be, believe it or not, guys, the academic side will win out when this yeah. is all said and done. Well, the other thing that wasn't a good look is uh, the locker room and uh, showing the cleats from the wide receiver and saying yeah, they're up. Put, they're already up on for two thousand two hundred thousand or two hundred thousand like for the cleats. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, that's just stupid. Yeah, no. By the so, way, who, who would pay two hundred thousand? If I had two hundred thousand dollars, there's a lot better things I could spend money on. It's than, all relative, Scott, to how much money you have. Yeah, I mean, you got a net worth of a hundred million. That's two hundred grand. So what? But what? 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 I mean, what are you doing with it? Putting it in a in a case? Well, how much what, did they? What? How much did Oregon pay to get rid of Mark Helfrich? Who paid that? What would you rather have? Ten million of Mark Alfreds to get rid of them, or two hundred thousand dollars for a pair of cleats? <laughs> Some people. Have I, <laughs> I, I hey. just I, I hate where this thing is going, and oh, I, I, I know that I I know I'm being an old fuddy duddy. I'm forty eight years old. Whatever. I just I hate it. I hate it, and I don't. And there's no way you can convince me that this is a good thing for college football. I would have loved to watch the game with Jen Cohen and got a little bit of insight with former University of Washington yeah, athletic you know, director you know Scott Woodward. You know, they, you know how the ESPN has the uh, uh, coaches? Yeah. The coaches, you know, where they – because so it's – ESPN had the regular game. Then they had ESPN – you, I think, had the 
or ESPN News had the the different angles where you can watch from different angles with no commentary. And then on ESPNU, they had the coaches that they bring in, and they basically watch the game live and give their comments. Why don't we do an AD one, Kim? Oh, yeah. Jen Cohen with, you know, with Scott Woodward being there and just, boy, write your own story on that, and, and I'll just leave and it at make that. And it make it a game that the, the ADs don't have a rooting interest in. Well, right? the thing just, of it is, yeah. Jen's not your typical, you know, suit and tie and dress mm-hmm. properly and... I mean, Jen is probably having a Tito's and dropping an F-bomb watching that game last night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that would be kind of interesting to hear. Boy, I wonder how much that guy got paid, you know, things like that. So. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, staff seems to be filled out. I think we're set, Scott, with the Washington coaching staff, with um, uh, the new tight end coach being named, the new offensive coordinator being named, the defensive back coach being named, Cooper Patania, the uh, uh, he was actually head of recruiting. Guy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They call he had a title of uh, director of player development, but he was the guy who was administratively running all of recruiting. It looks like he's going to Oregon. Lots of stuff going on, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the one thing I'll say is I could see the possibility and I, I don't think it's going to happen, but there is always that very slight chance that uh, Nick Rolovich, who's the new head coach over at Washington state, could look at Bob Gregory to add to his staff because Bob Gregory is a Wazoo grad and he does have defensive coordinator experience. So I'm not saying that's going to happen and I don't think it probably will, but we need to keep an eye out for that. But other than that, yes, I think the, the, um, the, uh, you know, the coaching staff at the university of Washington is filled out um, for the, for the most part. And it's, it's all set to go. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some analysts brought in what I would really like to see. And I was talking with a mutual friend of ours, sweet Lou, and we were talking about since uh, coach Donovan does not have a lot of experience coaching quarterbacks. I don't think he has any experience coaching quarterbacks. It could be wrong on that, but I don't think he has any. I think they bring in either in a GA who is a former quarterback who is an aspiring quarterback coach, or think about this as a possibility. Uh, uh, Jeff Tedford, as an analyst, bring him in to coach the quarterbacks during during uh, during the week and help at least coach with the because you can't the analysts can't coach, but they can do a lot of that that stuff that helps get guys ready. A couple of things. Um, I'm not sure. Bob Gregory is a really good coach. I know there's a group of uh, people that seem to live in an echo chamber who just focus on recruiting and nothing is more important than recruiting, but you've got to have good coaches. Bob Gregory's a really good coach. The only way I could see him leaving is over to Washington State is possibly if they um, offered him a defensive coordinator job. And even then, I'm not sure he would want to leave. He's got a pretty stable position here. And as far as Jeff Tedford, everything I've heard, he's got a pretty serious heart condition. So um, I'm not, you know, when you've got a serious heart condition, you've got to take care of yourself and health wise. I know he was great fit when he was here. He was more involved with the administrative scouting and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, um, from everything I understand, the heart condition that Jeff Tedford had that um, led to him uh, stepping down as the head coach at Fresno State, I'm not sure he wants to head into anything that's going to uh, be a lot be of a, stress. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. So I think with Jeff Tedford, the thing is, you know, getting his health straight. So um, but that's the main thing. But uh, with um, 
uh, Durham, uh, Cato or Cato. I'm not even sure how to pronounce it. Everybody I've talked to rave reviews on this guy, a hard worker, really, really smart. It's going to be an interesting addition to the coaching staff. And, uh, I understand from people who've talked to Chris Peterson and have met with Chris Peterson. He was thrilled with the hire. If they're going to make that change, he was a natural fit, but, uh, he's a little bit more than just a tight end coach. I expect him to be heavily involved in the offense as he was the lead uh, analyst on the staff last year and he was making $150,000. And he also had some other inquiries to, um, you know, go as an on the field coach. So, um, from a story that was relayed to me, he was, um, almost ready to, you know, thinking about possibly moving on because he not didn't think that he was ever going to get on the field. And uh, Coach Lake came in and said, you ready to interview? On the field with Washington, you mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, so you're ready to interview. And three hours later, you named him as the as – the, uh, tight end coach so uh definitely a guy to keep an eye on we're looking forward to talking to him so uh, i'm not sure how much you know about him scott yeah well one thing i will say is um i've talked to a couple parents that i've stayed in contact with who know something about this guy and they said that the players all love him and that the parents have met him and talked to him and one parent said to me that guy knows football like inside and out and they said he is an up-and-comer, and he's going to be an offensive coordinator minimum in the future. So <clears throat> take it for what it is. You know, these people are giving me candid thoughts, knowing that I'm not going to say their names or anything like that. But it sounds like a lot of the players are pretty excited about being able to work with this guy. Yeah, and uh, John Donovan, you know, it's just kind of um... – I know know, when you have a lack of information, you always think the worst, but, you know, people looking at this hire and looking what he did at uh, at, uh, Penn State and looking what he did at Vanderbilt, this is a really smart guy, you know, and I'm, I get a little, I don't know, frustrated is the word. I just roll my eyes a little bit when people want to paint this guy into a corner and put him in a very small box. This is a really smart guy. What he ran, what they were running at Penn State, what they were running on Vanderbilt. That's not necessarily what's going to be run at Washington. I'm sure that he had a lengthy discussion with uh, Jimmy Lake on what type of offense they use. And, uh, you know, you can alter an offense to fit your personnel. And when you've got somebody who's really smart and then you put another smart guy coming into the tight end coach, and I think he's going to have a larger role than just a tight end coach. You know, the offense isn't necessarily what you've done in the past. It's what you can do with the personnel that you have and where you want to go looking forward, Scott. Yeah, anybody who thought that they were going to bring in a coach that was going to run the spread option and that we use the quarterback as a runner, I'm I'm sorry, I'm just going to be blunt. You're high. There's no way they're going to do that. They don't the the three quarterbacks on their roster save uh, Ethan Garbage, who can run a little bit better than the other two. None of those guys are going to be able to be a, a you know a op- option runner. They're just not going to be that. And Sam Heward the quote-unquote savior of the program, according to a lot of people, is not that guy. He's athletic, but he's not that guy. He's not going to get out there and run around. He's not Trevor Lawrence who can, you know, throw the ball down the field but outrun you and, and run over you. I mean, it, they he, they aren't that ty- type of a team. They aren't built to do that, and they're not going to – and you talk about fitting your offense to fit uh, the guys that you have on the roster. Do you really think they're going to basically – 
scrap it all and and say we're just going to run our quarterback all over the place. We're gonna we're gonna run a lot of RPO and different things like that. And and um, I just don't think think that's going to be the case. And and it it was frustrating to watch people say that. Well, we just need to change this offense completely and get get more mobile quarterbacks. That's just not going to happen. Well, when we heard what Jimmy was talking about and looking for, um, you know, a coach to um, run the offense, you know, the two things I heard quite a bit was NFL experience, wanting mm-hmm. to run an offense like New Orleans. And yeah. when you talk, I mean, we're not talking Baltimore Ravens offense. We're talking New Orleans offense. And uh, the guy who's running that New Orleans offense he seems to do pretty well with it. And I would put, you know, Sam Heward and uh, much more in that kind of a category than a Lamar Jackson. And everybody's looking for a Lamar Jackson and a Deshaun Watson. But those guys are freaks. And, you know, they also have a tendency to get hit and beat up. And but uh, I don't they're going to run an offense similar to what you're seeing at New Orleans. Go back and look at some of those games. And that's what I think you can expect. Okay, Kim, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Maybe we should have waited for Fetters to be here, but I'm going to put you on the spot, and I'll, I'll make a guess as well. Who do you think is the odds? Okay, we know who will probably get the first snap of of spring ball, but who do you think is the starter when uh, Michigan rolls around uh, September 5th? Just the odds on favorite. I don't think they're going to announce a quarterback. I know they're not going to announce it, but who do you think it is? Not who's going to be announced. Come on, Kim. Come on. You do this to Fetters and I all the time. Come on. You know, I, my, my gut says, um, Dylan Morris, but my head says, don't sleep on Jacob Sermon. Um, I, I am in the same boat, but I think it's going to be Dylan Morris because I think a lot of people sleep on him because he isn't the physical specimen that Jacob Sermon is. But, you know, there's a lot more to quarterbacking than just having the big arm and the big stature. you got to be able to make, go out and make plays. And the one guy that I've seen make p- plays way more than any other guy in this state other than Sam Heward, and honestly I would say he might even be more about making plays than Sam Heward uh, because he didn't have the kind of skill talent around him that Sam has, is uh, Dylan Morris. And sure. I'm interested to see how it kind of works itself out this summer and, and in the offseason. I think it's going to be a really tough competition because I think what um, I think what it's going to come down to is um, who makes the least mistakes. And Sermon's got a little bit more, I think, of a he's a little bit more of a risk taker which means you're probably going to see Dylan Morris take the safer routes, safer throws. And I think you might see Sermon make more of the splash plays. He's a big physical guy, but you know, we can get, you know, talking into this on another podcast because there's a lot of time, but you know, just getting back to, um, you know, the uh, coaches I've uh, reached out to UW to see if the coaches were going to be available anytime <laughs> prior to signing day. Nope. Um, they're all on the road. Yeah, they it are. wouldn't. It would not surprise me, since they can't be on the road that week um, of signing day, which is February fifth. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they made somebody available on Monday or Tuesday of that week. But I bet it would probably be closer to uh, the start of spring ball, which is the end of March, early April. Yeah, you know, Scott, I, I'm trying to remember a while back, you know, they had a signing day period and they had some coaches availability. Um, 
you know, on signing day. So uh, signing day, I'm anticipating a press conference on February 5th and maybe have some available. Is that when it is February 5th? Yes. When, first Wednesday, but I'm pretty sure it's February 5th. Yeah. And they're, they're going to have an event up um, at UW. I think it's in the Don James Center, the signing day thing. And we may have some coaches available for that. So um, that would probably be my best guess on when they would be um, available. So um, also uh, Washington State. Hired Nick Rolovich uh, out of Hawaii's yep. Mouse Davis clone uh, or disciple, and he's going to be running the run and shoot over at Washington. I hate to ask you this, but how much difference is there between what to, um, Mike Leach uh, is running and what yeah. Rolovich is going to run that run and shoot? How similar? Well, it's it, it. They're similar in some respects and not similar in other respects. I don't, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I I do know a little bit about schemes and things like that, but I don't get that deep into it. I'm not a former coach. There's obvious reasons why I didn't do it. And there's obvious reasons why I didn't have a ton of success in, in college football when I did play. So um, I don't know a lot of that stuff. I don't dig that deep into it. But what I will say is Mike Leach runs a ton of crossing routes. That's kind of what his players do. And they also run four verts quite a bit. Well, that's a lot of what Hawaii does. But it's it's different in the way they, they'll run the ball a little bit more than Mike Leach liked to run the ball. They'll do a few other things. But I'm going to be honest with you. I think Nick Rolovich will basically put his guys in the position to as good a position to succeed as he can. And if um, I is Max Borgie back for one more year? Yes. I can't remember. If he's back, I think you got to, I think that's a guy you got to, you know, you know, milk a little bit. You got to, you got to use his, his abilities. Now he's a great receiver out of the backfield, but I think he's a better runner than people give him credit for. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Rolovich go to him, let him get seven, eight hundred yards rushing while also trying to get the ball uh, to some receivers. They also threw the ball down uh, field a little bit more than Mike Leach liked to do. Mike Leach would rather throw short passes and, and basically turn those into runs in a normal offense. And I think Rolovich likes to go down the field a little bit more. But again, it's all going to depend on how good his quarterback is. And he for the third straight year, they're going to be starting a brand new quarterback uh, for Washington state. Also going to be interesting to see who he fills out on that staff. And um, one thing to kind of keep an eye on a little bit, any idea who uh, Hawaii might go after for, from coaching yeah, standpoint? For coach. Boy, um, I got no. a name. I who? got a name. Give me a name. Joe Salovey. Joe Salovey. I wouldn't, yeah, I don't know. Where did he play his college football? I don't know. He was on. The, he was the defensive line coach at Washington State. Now he's a defensive line coach at Oregon. Really well thought of guy. Guy. Um, he can recruit Tonga. That's for sure. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Cripple Oregon a little bit. That'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Washington's just going to have to deal with the fact that they are they are a pretty good program down there, and and. Uh, you're going to just have to deal with it, especially with the paying the players and everything like they're doing. I, you know, by the way, Salvia played at Arizona. That's where he played. So, right. um, but uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. He, so he's also coached at San Jose state. He's coached at Arizona. He's coached at Washington state and now Oregon. So he's only had four jobs in 12 years. So, um, you know, he's not one of those coaches who bounces all over the place every other year. Granted, at Arizona, he was there one year, but at Washington State, he was there five. He was at uh, San Jose State two years, and then he's been at Oregon since 2017. So, you know, I 
that wouldn't surprise me if they went after him a little bit, but um, there's some coaches that you just get a feeling these guys would much rather just be position coaches or maybe coordinators and not be the head of an entire, an entire program. And I don't know if Salve is that guy or not, but I'm, I'm always hesitant to, to do that with a guy who's never really done it before. Right. Well, it's something to keep an eye on. Who's Hawaii yeah. going to get? He is the, the assistant head coach with Oregon, but I think that's more of a title to get him more money. I yeah. don't think that's necessarily him being a head coach and waiting. Yeah, keep an eye on it. Coaching carousel, not necessarily done. Um, coaches convention winds up today down in Nashville. And uh, we got a couple guys down there that I'll touch bases with to see if there is anything of interest. So um, anything to report, we will go ahead and get that out on the hardcore football board. Um, recruiting. Um, Jack Gary is over at the Polynesian Bowl. He seems to be the big target for Washington, the tight end out of Southern California. And he's the son of... Um, I don't know if he's Ron a Hall Yeri. of, Fam- Hall of Ron Famer, Yeri. Ron Hall of Famer. Yes, I think he might be a college uh, Hall of Famer, but I don't think he's an NFL guy. Yeah, but uh, keep an eye on him. And anybody else left on the board, Scott? Well, yeah. Then there's um, Tanoa Togiai, the defensive lineman out of Rigby High School over there in Idaho, and uh, he's a guy that Washington has really targeted. Six six two eighty five. Um, was more of a basketball player for a long time. Has you know struggled with some injury. Not the most explosive guy I saw, but very light on his feet, athletic, and I think Washington can use him as a project. I think Washington, one of the reasons they didn't offer him earlier was because I think they thought they had a chance with a guy like Xavier Carlton or possibly uh, a Lance Kennelly or something like that, and those guys didn't pan out. They chose to sign with other schools, so Washington kind of circled back around on uh, Togiai. If that name sounds familiar, it should. His cousin is Tommy Togiai, the... Uh, defensive lineman out of he's out of the Boise area um, he uh, uh, ended up signing with Ohio State over Washington so um, yeah that's kind of that's kind of it now there might be one or two other guys that are uh, sprinkled in there and there is going to be a big walk-on um, official visit weekend along with uh, Mark Redman and, and Ethan Garbers who haven't taken their visits yet those two guys will show up as well as all these walk-ons guys like um uh, uh, Case and Kinchin, the cornerback from Lake Stevens. Um, there's uh, a couple other guys. Um, the running back Christian Galvin from Bothell is another one that'll be there. So they're going to have probably up to eight or 10 guys on campus the weekend of the 24th, 25th, 26th. And that's kind of their last big recruiting weekend. And they may swing in one more guy that weekend and uh or i'm sorry the following weekend right before the signing day but uh that's kind of where things are going right now jack gary they take no matter what yes i believe they would take jack gary and i believe they would take uh tanoa togi i think washington would fill this class out i think that would make them uh at 23 i think they signed 21 in the mid-year signing period and then you add in yeah and then you add in jordan lolohea so that's 22 because he just enrolled so you're really looking at 24 counting as as enrollees in this class if they were able to get a Jack Yeri and a um, Tanoa Togiai. Also, transfer portal. I'm expecting that to heat up here pretty quick. I'm expecting some attrition at Washington, some guys that just want to move on because they want to, they want playing time. Yeah, um, and we can go over those names after they enter. I think we have some idea who those might be, and I think fans can probably kind of go through that and figure that out too. But um, do you expect Washington to be players in the portal, though, Kim? I, don't. I 
to bring anybody in. Um, yeah. No, I. I mean, um, I don't. Donovan want to do might have might be able to convince Jimmy to take one guy, but who knows? Well, the problem is, and I, you know, I've talked to a UW official, and you know they made some. Uh, I don't know the right word. They made some contact with admissions to try to make it a little bit easier to get transfers in, grad transfers, and that pretty much went nowhere. Yeah. So it's just so <laughs> you're yeah. laughing. Well, it just these people who think Washington can just go. You know, I there was there was that one guy on our site that said that um, a guy like Treshawn Harrison. Uh, the wide receiver, athlete, DB, whatever you want to call him, out of um, Garfield, who's, who signed with uh, Florida State, who's now in the transfer portal. Um, everybody said, well, Washington should go after him. They should totally go after him. Well, this is not saying the kid isn't intelligent, but has he taken the right classes to get into the University of Washington? Because Washington, anybody who has transferred into the University of Washington, whether you're an athlete or just a regular student, you know that UW doesn't accept half of your classes. I mean, well, I transferred from Central Washington to the University of Washington, and I went from being a sophomore to being a freshman and a half. And I just still had, to take, a, just I had to take a half a year of classes in order to, or to have credits to be able to get into the University of Washington, when I, or I'm sorry, to graduate from the University of Washington once I got there. Jacob Eason is short on credits to graduate at University of Washington. You know yeah. Why? Why? Because they didn't accept a lot of his, they didn't accept oh, yeah. some of his credits yeah. from Georgia. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm not saying Treshawn Harrison couldn't get into the University of Washington from an intelligence standpoint or a grade point standpoint. What I'm saying is, could he get into the University of Washington after taking classes at uh, Florida State? I and just to, don't know if that will be would to, happen or not. And not to dismiss the player. What's he done at Florida State? I know. I, I haven't seen anything that was anything <laughs> was, remotely special. Was he like, wow, he didn't do anything at Florida State. But I don't know. It's just like if there's a shiny toy out there, everybody wants it. And Well, you know, and it was it was a guy that, that some of the uh, local idiots who follow recruiting way too much. And I'm not talking about people on our board. I'm talking about people who gin people up on, on the Internet, on, on Twitter and things like that. They got so sold on this guy. And when Washington didn't take him, they – they, they just threw their hands up. They couldn't believe they wouldn't want a guy like this. But I think a lot of it had to do with maturity. But the kid was not a very popular person with athletes that he played with. He was friends with uh, Savelle Smalls, and that's fine. But I know that there were a lot of people who were just like, yeah, that guy's a jerk. And, well, and now people... there's some humbling that goes on when you when you get into college. Maybe you grow up a little bit. Maybe you get away from the bad influences that were around you when you were in high school. I don't know. And he could be a completely different person by now. But you don't just go out and guy, grab a guy because he's a really good player, which I don't think Trayshawn Harrison is a great player. But you don't just go out and get a guy because he's a great player if he's going to tear up your locker room. Well, you have – Jimmy Lake's following in the Built for Life program and a lot under Pete. And I, first of all, I think most of the people out there have no idea what that even means. But it has to be a fit. Are you a great teammate? Do you love football? Can you handle the academics? Because, you know, Mike Hopkins just learned the hard way about bringing in a kid who's over his head academically with quad A green in the season, you know, is on the brink right now because they lost their point guard because they brought in a kid who couldn't handle the academics here at the University of Washington. 
you've got to bring in people that are great teammates that absolutely love football that are NFL caliber players and are going to fit on the team and not somebody you're going to have to babysit. And it's that rule of thumb that I always use. 10% of the people will suck up 90% of your time, energy, and resources. You're better off without them. I'm not saying a guy like Trayshawn Harrison is a part of that, but that's pretty much the program that they're following. They don't need the headaches. And whether that headache comes from not having the work ethic, not having the desire, or not being able to handle the academics, you don't just go out and grab talent. It has to fit. Because if it doesn't, you're going to be spending a lot of time babysitting and loss to the basketball team with Quad A Green. You really want that to happen at Washington? I mean, yeah, so. yeah, it's it's bad news. And what what fr- what's frustrating for a lot of people is that they don't they just don't understand that all they see is what's on the court. They don't understand all the stuff that goes on behind. The, it's it's like you say, Kim, and like a lot of people say about icebergs. All you see is the surface, but the the you know what ha- you know what what is it that it's twenty percent of icebergs are above the surface. And 80% are below. Well, that's what goes on with playing football. You have guys who have to be good in the locker room. They have to be good in the classroom. They have to they have to work hard. They have to work hard all the time. The off season. I mean, what? So the the season is. Let let's say the season is August because that's when you're in fall camp all the way through mid December, if not late December, if you're going to the or early January, if you're going to the bowl game, you want to go to. So, I mean, you're talking only uh, four, and a, four and a half, five months at the most. There's 12 months in the year. So seven months, they have to be working when there's nothing that, that fans will get to ever see. And you have to have guys who are willing to go out and put in the blood, sweat, and tears who are going to do that behind the scenes. They're, but that also correlates with your work in the classroom. And well, if you're not going to put in the work on either of those, it's just not going to work, especially here at the University of Washington. How many times did we hear Coach Pete, and he'd get real passionate when he would talk about this. You have no idea what goes on behind these guys. You have no idea how much these guys care. You have no idea of how this impacts them. Mm-hmm. And we're right. You know, we just don't know. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, and there's a lot to be part of this program. And Jimmy Lake's not going to change anything. He says he understands what it takes. He understands the secret sauce. And, you know, he's pretty much said he'd be a fool to go in and change that. He may make some tweaks here and there, but don't expect anything to change when you take a look at the coaches he's hired, you know, bringing in a guy who's been here before, a guy who's already here, and a guy that's been at, you know, Vanderbilt. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, this program's not going to change. But we've gone overtime, Scott. We need to wrap this up. Anything else we need to cover? (laughs) Uh, no, not right now. You know, uh, we've got uh, we got some basketball games this week, correct? Uh, Oregon State on Thursday and Oregon on Saturday afternoon. Oh, those those home games? Yes, they are. Okay, so yeah, Dogman will be at that. But yeah. Other than that, yeah, there, there's not a lot going on. It's too bad they couldn't make this weekend be their their big recruiting weekend. But uh, I don't know. Do they have games at home next week as well? I think they're on the road the following week. Yeah, so that's too bad they couldn't have a have a game on on a night that the guys are here. But whatever I it is, what it is scheduled. But yeah, um, and just a couple of, couple of things, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, we appreciate all you guys. We appreciate all of our subscribers. Um, we've been doing this since 1997. 
we've adapted, we've been crushed, we've survived, we always seem to rise no matter what's happened. Um, we are rocking and rolling. Uh, there's never been a brighter future for dogman.com than there is right now. Uh, the move to 24-7 with a lot of the top scout publishers has been uh, amazing for us. Um, I always call it a double-edged sword. There's some things that we have more control over and things we have less control over. And sometimes not having control over things can be a little bit of a blessing in disguise because you don't have to deal with it. But uh, we're rocking and rolling. We're bigger than we've ever been. Subscriptions are at an all-time high. And uh, the platform that we're using is great. Scott Eklund, Chris Fetters, as good as anybody out there. We're also happy to have with us Blair Angulo, Brandon Huffman, and Greg Biggins are as good as anybody in the business. Um, if you're a rabbit husky fan, uh, it's going to be an exciting year coming up. Encourage your friends to subscribe to dogman.com. It's not really that expensive. It's, you know, 10 bucks a month and we run special for first time subscribers. And uh, once you get in there and get on the hardcore football, hardcore recruiting, hardcore basketball boards, it's something that you will typically check numerous times per day. If you're just looking at the front page and you're not a subscriber, you're missing out. Everything's on the hardcore, uh, three hardcore boards, football, basketball, and um, recruiting. We have privacy policies. We can't tell you who some of these posters are, but, boy, there's some pretty informed people. Heavy hitters, yep. <laughs> yeah, there's some pretty informed people out there who may not post a lot, but when they do, it's kind of like boom. So, um, hardcore yeah, and, football. And we're not just talking about knowledgeable people in the sports industry either. We're talking about people in the political realm here in the state of Washington. We're talking about people in the entertainment realm. Yeah. Um, you know, it, there's people from all over people that you guys would absolutely recognize. And, um, I even got a note from one the other day <laughs> that was kind of funny. I was like, um, why are you talking to me? <laughs> Yeah, no, who, it's who am I, you know? Yeah, no, it's um pretty crazy what some of the insight that goes on out there. Parents, players, former players, agents. Um, there's a lot of everything out on the site. So um, like I said, if you're just looking at the front page, yeah, that's just like looking at the first page of the book. Dig a little deeper. There's a lot mm -hmm. of stuff out there. So uh, and for all of our subscribers, we really do appreciate you. Message boards can be challenging to monitor and to moderate, and um, geez, <laughs> it ain't easy sometimes. I, I wish people could read my inbox someday. It's uh, it's uh, quite entertaining at times, so it's like herding cats. Every time I try to get that last cat, two more run out the back door, so keep it going. Chris Fetter's over in Hawaii. He'll have uh, a lot of updates from out over there. Scott, and when is that? That game is Thursday. What night, what night is that game? Is it Thursday night? If you say so. Oh no, I shouldn't. Have. I thought you. I thought you were keeping track of this stuff. I got enough to keep track of. Like yeah, yeah. yeah Here, so I'll keep keep riffing. I'll tell you when it is. Keep keep riffing. Just a reminder: if you want those daily updates and breaking news alerts, send us a note. HuskyStadium at gmail.com. We will hook you up. Subject line newsletter: HuskyStadium at gmail.com. Subject line newsletter: We will hook you up. Also, expect us to pick up the podcast uh, end of it as the uh, football season slows down. We can just get a lot more going on uh, the podcast and share a lot more information. It doesn't really translate to text. So Saturday, January eighteenth. What time? That Saturday, January eighteenth, and I think it's it kicks off at uh, eight o'clock our time. I think that's when it kicks off. I'm not hundred percent sure on that. That doesn't sound right. Why? 
I don't know. That's Let's five try o'clock some... Hawaii time, isn't it? Let me try something, see if it works. Siri, uh, what time does the Polynesian Bowl start? Here's what I found. January 18th. It's January 18th. We'll put it yeah, up. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's an 8 o'clock kickoff. It could be 7, but uh, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a later evening kickoff. 7.05 Hawaii time. Oh, wow. That means it's 9.05 our time? I don't know. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Whatever it is, it's late. Yeah. Uh, For all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Crenolds along with Scott Eklund. Go dogs. 